Hello, and thank you for joining us. This is Brian, your host of the Parish the Thought Show. The opinions of said host and our guests have not been sanitized or scientifically tested, so please consume at your own risk. Ladies and gentlemen, and whoever else is listening, in honor of my next guests, I will try my British accent. They are 85-year-old husband, painter, inventor, Michael Smart, coming to us from Scunthorpe, UK, in the heart of England. He and his lovely wife, Susie, are with us to talk about the passing of the Queen and their life growing up in the UK. Serving in the RAF, working at British Steelworks, and what he and his wife have been doing for the past 30 years since retirement. So pop round for a spot of tea and have a listen. You guys are my second international interview. Did you know that? Second. My first one was an Irishman. Is that a, or Can we still be friends? Wonderful people, the Irish. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's a, he's a podcaster and... He's actually now living in America, but the first time I had him on, he was still trying to get out of Ireland. So again, thank you guys for being here. And my first question from a native Brit is the passing of the queen. Does that matter to you guys or is it just an American obsession or a world obsession? I served in the armed forces in the RF for two years. Okay. Yes. And she, so she, she was, was our she, head. She was your boss. Of course. Yeah. Okay. What what do uh the whole royal family what do you guys think of the royal family in general? There are some reprobates. I think you'll have heard about some of them as well as we have. Uh I'm not going to go into details of them, but yeah, there's some we don't like. There's some have behaved appallingly. But we have uh, we have a king now, and we've got to look up to him because he's the head of our state. And what's your opinion on him, Mr. Charles? Well, as I say, we've got to accept. I was I didn't have a very high opinion of him. Uh, he's uh, he's come out with some outlandish uh, ideas in the past. But he's going to have to change all that now because it's not for him to pass comment on state proceedings or the way he wants the state to go. He's the king and he should accept what parliament decrees. So that's the way it works here. Would I know we have our president in the United States? It's that's not that's not equivalent. I would assume, correct? Different altogether because the prime minister is your basically your president, the equivalent to our president here. Yes, right. Because people are obsessed with it over here. It's it's mind blowing how much they follow. And to me, it's just another Hollywood person. It's another, it's, a, it's like a superstar. It's a Hollywood star, and I don't really get into it. But maybe I'm missing something. So correct me if I'm if if there's something about the royal family and the queen that. I just I don't see it, but again, I'm not there, and but people are obsessed with it over here for sure. Well, she's been working for the state now ever since she was put on the throne, even before, because during the war, 
she was a uh, she was driving an ambulance during the war. Oh, really? I did not know that. Oh, yeah, yes. Mechanic. Uh, yes, yeah, she used, as Susie says, she did her own mechanics. She was she was able to maintain her own vehicle. That's a story that I'm sure not many people know. Oh well, it, it's there if you want to look on the on various websites. Right. Yeah, and uh, and as I say, when I was uh, at school, we were in woodwork class in 1952, and they came in and told us uh, the headmaster wanted us all to assemble in the in the school play, playground, and that's when he told us the the king had died. And of course, as soon as the king dies, the next monarch is in line is then either the king or the queen. And it was Elizabeth. And she was in South Africa on a tour of South Africa at the time. So she became queen while she was on on a tour of South Africa. And how old was she when that took place? Oh, 1952. She's, <laughs> I think she'd be about... 23. Let, let me have a look. She's 11 years older than me, and I'd be, ooh, I'd be. She'd be 97. Yeah. When she died. Yeah, I'm trying to think how old she was then when she came to the throne. Uh, I'd be 14. She'd be uh, 24. Yeah, I think she'd be about 24. So I try to think what I was doing at 24. Yeah. I could barely get out of my own way. <laughs> let alone run, be the ruler of a, a country. She had to find her feet straight away. That's a lot of pressure. I can't even imagine that kind of pressure. But she did it with grace, and and I think so. Well, I heard. Knew, her, I heard she, go ahead. She knew she was in line for the throne, so she would have had a degree of training for it, as Charles has had. He's been training for this for a long, long time because. The, uh, the Prince of Wales, as was his title, is always the next in next in line on the throne. I don't think there's ever been a Princess of Wales, but uh, the male is always uh, the, the male heir is always a Prince of Wales. Well, when Princess Diana was alive, what was her Princess of what? When she was alive, what was her? Well, she she was, yeah, I don't know. If she had a title. Can't, can't think she had a title. She was just known as Diana, Charles's wife, the wife of Prince of Wales. I don't think she was called the Princess of Wales. I never heard that. Well, maybe she should have been. I don't know. <laughs> I was actually visiting England when she died in 97. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. So it was interesting being there when, when that took place. You could just feel the somberness of the of the time for sure what we or susie and i know was said just before she went on holiday elfad she said when i come back i've got an announcement which is going to astound the world but she never came back of holiday she died in that tunnel before she had chance to tell us what that was so there was a lot of uh, a lot of suspicion at the time. Yeah, what was uh, uh, what, what were the what were the, some of the speculations of what says, she was I, going to say? As Susie said, I've got to be careful what I say, but that was an announcement she made. That's interesting. All right, so for my for my folks, my my listeners who 
who may not know this, you guys are, you live in Scunthorpe in Lincolnshire. The Correct. center of the, Scunthorpe is the center of the universe, I hear. Is that true? <laughs> Some might think so. Which is where my wife is from as well. How, oh, how long, well, ha- yes. how long have you guys lived in uh, Scunthorpe? I was born in Scunthorpe. Three years old, I moved down to South Wales, and my father got a, a very responsible job at uh, uh, at a steelworks in Ebervale. But he was taken ill with tuberculosis while down there, and we had to come back in 1944, and I've lived in Scunthorpe ever since. That is impressive. So you've seen a lot of change well, in the city. Yeah. I did my early schooling in, in, in South Wales. Unless they, they say when I came back, I'd, I had a good Welsh accent, but uh, all my, the, the people I mixed with, are, I've got this accent now, which is basically Scunthorpian uh, Lincolnshire. And so give me a little bit of a Welsh accent, if you can. Well, of course I can do that for you. Yes. Okay. I lived there long enough, you know. Yeah. <laughs> It's just like being in the states. Every every state has a different accent. Every even different parts of the same state have various different accents. Where I grew up in California has a different accent than Utah, <clears throat> so it's just normal. Okay, when you were you, you said you you served in the Royal Air Force, or the, correct? And yes. is that is that the only branch of military that they England has? Is just the Royal Air Force, or do they have multiple branches like no, we they do? Have the Army. Okay. The navy was it was uh, uh, the, the navy as well, but the air force didn't come into uh, existence in, until just the end of the First World War, nineteen eighteen. Okay, you served for two years. Two years national service, yes. And were you abroad or serving locally? I served in this country. I, I was in crash rescue, which was a branch of the RFI service. Was that would that be? Uh, we have like a search and rescue type organization, like the Coast Guard or something like that. Was that what you were? Is that what your job was? Or explain well, that we, we were generally on airfield duty, seeing the aircraft safely uh, take off and landing, but we were there on call if any other station wanted us because of their, their and and, a few did. <laughs> right. So then, aqua. In terms of like your occupation, what occupation? Mean, like, I swear I know how to speak English. I promise, but can't get my words out today. What What did you do for a career or your occupation or job most of your life? Well, I went into engineering when I came up to the RAF. I studied in engineering, uh, worked as a draftsman, and an estimator in an iron foundry. Then I uh, moved to. No, I moved to British Steel and I worked as a uh, graphic designer there. Mm-hmm. That is that is a career I had for 20 years. Ah, well, you'll know a bit about what I went through. <laughs> yes. It's uh, it's an interesting, the art, the art world. And then, okay, you've been, so how long, how long have you, you're retired now, I assume, Tech, from, from, from work. I retired from mm-hmm. British Steel in 1992, and the object then was to to paint, which I, which I did. But I was painting much before. Oh, I, I was going to say, yeah, you were doing that before. Yeah. yeah. And you're how old now? 
85 uh, about two weeks ago. 85. Well, you don't look a day over 83 and a half. Thank you, Brian. That's that's very nice. <laughs> <laughs> I've always lived with the idea that if you don't grow up, you can't grow old. Absolutely. So Susie has to suffer that. Of you not growing up? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Susie gets a different medal for enduring all of you. Right? <laughs> different reward. Tell me about... Yes. You've been retired 92. That's how many years? That's that's 30 years. Yeah, yeah. So that's a lot of time. So tell me what you do. You you retired. You're not you're not a typical retiree, I would assume, because you you're usually people when they retire, they there's a saying over here that says we bury people at 80 who died at 60. <laughs> uh, when they retire and they just stop doing things, they stop growing and doing things and you have many many hobbies. So tell me you uh I want to talk about your painting and then your inventions and, and your workshop. Your workshop when we visited in June was amazing. You could almost feel the spirit of your mind and your brain and your creativity in that little, your little, your little man cave. So tell me about your, your painting first. Well, uh, as I say, I started painting when I came out of the RAF. Eventually there was several friends showed interest and, I did sell one or two to friends and locals, but it wasn't really until the, the, the steel strike in 1982, when we were out to work for three months, I painted all the time. And during that strike, I approached a gallery in, uh, in York. The owner rather liked my work and he, 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 he sold several paintings for me there. And a local lady opened the gallery. Uh, well, a lady opened the gallery. She wasn't there initially local. She was an Italian lady. She opened the gallery local and she saw my work and exhibited it and, and sold several in Scunthorpe. That would be the early 80s. In 19, I'm trying to get the dates correct. Sometime during the early 80s, I decided to take my paintings uh, to London. I was carrying about three under my arms and I went round several galleries in the main part of London. And the last one I went into, they got all the, it, was, it would be about four o'clock in the afternoon and he got his friends down or his partners down to have a look at my paintings. They said, yes, you know how to use paint. But he said, they're not for us. But there are galleries would be interested. And he named three. And the last one on the list was Harrods. And I thought, I'm not going to have time to do that. I'll... But then uh, if I get a later train back, yes, I can do that. And I went to Harrods. And, and like most of the others I'd been in that day, don't call us, we'll talk you, we'll call you. One gallery said, we're only interested in dead artists. But Harrods, they said, yeah, uh, um, the buyer's away at the moment, but uh, I'll tell him about your work and we'll leave it there. Don't call us, don't, we'll call you, that sort of thing. That was the, uh, the weekend or the Saturday. I got a phone call, or Susie got a phone call at home from the buyer at Harrods 
and he wanted to know if, he, if, if I could bring him some work next time I was in London. I said, well, I just happened to be coming down next Tuesday. And they sold my paintings from there. They, 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 I was selling regularly at, at Harrods. They were generally, uh, I was doing landscapes with a large moon on, very sized moons uh, in various lighting conditions. And they were selling well in America. And uh, I sold at Harrods then for best part of 10 years until Al Fayed took over. He's the Dodi Fayed's father, the man who was taking uh, that uh, uh, Princess Diana was uh, seeing. Well, she was seeing him at the D time. Dating or seeing, yes. Yeah. So that. Uh, yeah, uh, the interesting part of the story to that, because when Alfred took over, it was a special gallery, gallery uh, Harrods had, right at the top of the building, and it was called the Trafalgar Gallery, and it was dedicated to British artists only. Now, when Alfred took over, he closed that gallery, and he opened the gallery up downstairs, now, when he went into the, to the, the original, the Trafalgar Gallery, it was covered in paintings all over the walls, various size. Very interesting. It was like, a, like going to an exhibition, a really super exhibition. But when Alfred took over, he just had four paintings on this wall. One of them was mine. I don't know what the other two were, but the other one on the wall was by Tony Curtis. It was a painting of Harrods itself. Now, it was only later we realized that uh, on that yacht that Princess Diana was on holiday with Alfred, the guest was Tony, Tony Curtis. So you were but, in some pretty big, uh, big name company on that wall. At that time. But I didn't like the setup. There was only, he only had one painting. I took the rest away and a, 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 that didn't sell. So eventually I took that one away. And I went into a, a, a gallery in Bromley, which was a, in the outskirts of London. Oh, and at that time, while I was at Harrods in 1984, I managed to get, I, I did exhibit with the Royal Academy in London. It was their summer exhibition there. And uh, that painting was sold there. Actually, when Susie and I went down to the opening day, we got there, it had opened up at, 10 o'clock in the morning. We got there about 11 o'clock, having gone down on a train, and it already had a red spot. It had been sold. So anyway, that, 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 that's it. Harrods Royal Academy in London. That was early on. I've exhibited at a number of galleries since then. But in 1992, after I finished work, I found this gallery in Lincoln, who liked my work, and he did very well. He was selling nearly everything I took in. And this went on until the recession. And it slowed down a lot then. But his name was Coleman, Martin Spencer Coleman. And uh, he had a stroke. Well, we're going back about 10 years ago now. And things have slowed down a lot, of course, since the recession. Sales went down tremendously. But at the moment, I don't see many people buying paintings with the threat of uh, energy prices going through the ceiling. 
Yeah, you can't eat a painting. Hmm? You can't eat a painting. So that's no, they're not spending their money on those. See, won't be able to see it either if they haven't got the electricity. <laughs> if, if your lights are cut off. Well, that's. Do you spend how much of your time do you spend uh, painting? In, in like, I know you have other hobbies, but is painting your main focus still? And then how do you? Yes. And then maybe a, a. How do you choose? Do you? Did these galleries just like your work style, or did they like your the content? You know what you're you're painting, or did they request, "Hey, can you paint a landscape of the moon in it?" Or was that something that you just did on your own because that's what you wanted to do? That was what I started with. It was an idea of my own. Harrods liked the moon paintings. They did sell some of my railway paintings. I don't think I did anything else for Harrods, but railways and the moon. But when I went to uh, the Lincoln Gallery uh, in the early 90s, I was doing, I was basing, my paintings were being based on the Dutch Romantic series, the, 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 the Dutch Romantic artists. And they sold very well. A lot of people like those. And as I said, again, nearly everything I did, Martin sold. And uh, they were going very, very well. But I've done other things. I've done wildlife. You've seen some of my wildlife. Yes. Uh, I have a, a big interest in steam railways, the romance of steam, British steam. Uh, you can put a lot of drama in a, in a, in a, a painting with steam engine. And I, 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 I love Formula One as it used to be, not as it is now. It's just a sad reflection of what it was. But I like painting Formula One. I did many. I've done many paintings of Formula One and sold many paintings of Formula One. You can put a lot of romance into those paintings. I think you saw one or two when you came came to see us. In your in your personal gallery, yes. Yeah, I'm not rabbiting on too much. <laughs> no, you're not. Nope. That's why I have this is your this is your story. I want you to ramble on. This is this is why I have you here. So I'll, yes. what it, let's say for example if you couldn't paint anymore, what would you do? Depends what, why I couldn't paint. I can't see. Is that, well, maybe back up. Does painting, is that, does that give you your purpose, you know, to stretch your mind and to continue to grow and to learn and to, to improve through painting? Well, I like, in, I like experimenting with various subjects. You, you've seen some of this, you saw some of the, uh, uh, the crater paintings I did. That's a new, that's a new idea I've got. The one above um, your fireplace, just, I believe, too. Yeah, I've just done one of a, I've just done one of a, a, um, a galaxy, a spiral galaxy, based on a lot of a lot of what the Hubble uh, telescope sent back. I like experimenting, but as I say, there's not just painting. I, I like I like to spend time in a workshop. There are things I like to make in there. I repair things. Uh, so I like to experiment with a, 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 a lot of ideas. There's so many things. I'm, I'm, you, I think you, you saw the rocking horse I made. I think I sent you a picture of that. You did. Uh, I've got a doll's house. I made several things for the house, cupboards. and uh, But I just love the workshop. Uh, uh, there's, two, there's two directions I, 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 I can take. Uh, what, what, other things I fill my time in with just these two, but it's mainly the workshop and painting. But the, 
there's all sorts of other things we do about the about the home, about the property. So you can always be growing, no matter what. Because I know there's a there's a lot of mentality around. Well, you get set in your ways, and you can't change or don't change, and then you you just exist. But you are you and Sue are a classic example of you can always grow and always learn, no matter what you're doing, or no matter what age you are. Because it's easy to go. Well, I'm 53 now. I'm. I can't do that anymore, which is a crazy thinking, very very fatalist thinking, and you're you're proving otherwise. Well, all the way through my painting, through my Sue has always encouraged me to my painting. Uh, sometimes she'll say she likes something, and then she'll say, well, this, "Could you do some, that a little bit different?" Probably in a different way. She says it in a different way, but she'll point me in another direction. And uh, I couldn't have done anything like this without support from Susie. She's your counsel. Oh, she's everything. Your pit crew, your counsel, your my sweetheart. Uh, your sweet. Well, that's number one. I should have started there first. Sorry, Sue. Yeah, <laughs> it's I'm, all right. I'm pointer in the right direction. In the right direction. She often points me in the right direction. Yeah, well, that's good. Sometimes, as men, we 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 tend to get lost, so we need our wives to you know help us out there. Oh yes, couldn't be without it, without her direction. I mean, let me ask you this: this perspective you guys both have on life—you've been around longer than the younger generation, obviously. What, like, what counsel would you would you have for for you know people my age, people younger than me, about? embracing life and just grabbing it and doing everything you can and learning everything you can and growing as much as you can. What do you have to say to those people? Never accept anything that's face value. Question it. Question all the time. Look into things as deeply as you can. You don't also have time to do it. But certainly, uh, uh, I can't think of another way of putting it. As you live together, learn, well, Love certainly is is the biggest part of my life. I mean, we, 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 as you know, we love each other. We've we've also got a beautiful German Shepherd, as you've seen, and we love him. And this is our family. This this is, and I, I think if if people can, and you know, I don't know the right word, but love is the basis of any relationship you've got to have. I don't know whether I'm making sense there. And I don't know how to put it in a word better than that. No, that's a good basis. That's what we all should do. It's hard sometimes. Hmm. Is, uh, you know, the basic Christian tenet of loving your neighbor, right? Yeah. And your first neighbor is you. Your second neighbor is your partner. Then your kids, if you got kids. And then your, and then your, true, your actual physical neighbors and the people you associate with. Uh, I agree. Start there. And you said, don't ever take things at face value. Meaning, I think a, a great example would be in our social media world is all the stories that are in your face or in our faces through our devices daily. So you're saying to question all, everything that we see and hear. Is that what you're saying? There's, there's so much nonsense given in the, uh, in, in, in the media and the press. Uh, You've got to certainly read between the lines to, to get any semblance of what's happening. And uh, yeah. I'm not going to, into, into politics now, but 
Well, let me ask you, when you were younger, was there an equivalent to what we see nowadays in terms of the division amongst people? And I don't know how it is in Britain, but I know here it's because of the advent of social media. And I absolutely love the technology. I think it's phenomenal. It's an absolute miracle that gives everyone a voice. But some could argue that it's a problem because it gives everyone a voice. And people are really quick to try to hurt each other and prove each other wrong. And we call it othering or putting someone, you know, that side, this side. And, and that seems, was there an equivalent to that when you were younger, before all this technology came about? Were people that way then they just were quieter about it or did it not exist? Is this a new thing? All the division. It's a new thing, Brian. People, when I was younger, they didn't have these vastly opinions which they wouldn't change. They're, 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 there are people that, that just will not change whatever argument you put in front of them. They won't listen. They'll go their own way. That that seems to be happening more and more. We have a lot of protesters in this country. I don't know whether you're getting you're getting it. They're fussing and gluing themselves to pay pavement because they they think the the government aren't taking any notice of climate change. Is that happening in your country? I think so. I, I have seen footage of of people that that sit sit on motorways or you know motorways in the, in Britain, freeways in America. Yeah, they'll sit across there and block traffic. Yeah, there are, yes, yes that does happen. And and I don't know if that's, I, I get their excitement about it, but um, there's got to be better, there's got to be better, more loving ways to try to get your point across, I think. Certainly, because they're disrupting the lives of many, many people doing right. this. It's like, I have my rights, you have your rights, you all have our, yeah. our free agency and your freedoms, but when your freedoms infringe upon someone else's, that's when you've crossed the line. So many things are different now to what it was when I was younger. We were only talking about it this morning, uh, about capital punishment. And when I was a young, young man, if there was a murder in the country, it would be in the papers. And the, the police would eventually arrest somebody They'd be put on trial if they were found guilty. They that was shortly after they were found guilty. They'd be they'd be a, 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 their last walk one morning, and that was accepted. Now I don't know. It's, we are seeing murders every day, several a day in the country, stabbings generally, and well, they're. they're They'll get little, little more than community service in some cases for killing somebody, and it's disgraceful. Yeah, it is. That's an interesting. That's probably always going to be a touchy subject. You know, the the death penalty. The death penalty here, it's not really a deterrent because they rarely carry them out. Mm -hmm. One will be on death row for thirty or forty years. So what's the point? And that's a that's a you know that's one of those eternal questions you know does god approve of that does god not approve of that if you believe in god and personal accountability is a thing of the past generally speaking personal responsibility seems to have waned a bit in the last 50 years a tremendous amount but my point was when i was a youngster a murder would be headlines now it's mentioned on the media sometimes well here's an so example 
I have a, a, a new good friend. He is a, a, tw- a police officer of 12 years in Louisville, Kentucky. And he, mm-hmm. he just told me about, he was on, he had to be called to a double murder four days ago. And he said, this will barely make the news. And it, it might be in the headline or not even a headline. It might be a second page story for a day and that's it. And they'll be moving on because there's so many and just the violence and the viciousness to, you know, man's inhumanity to man never ceases to amaze me. I know just what you mean, Brian. This is all part of what we, Susie and I were discussing yesterday. The decline of civilization, I guess, in, in our ad, advance, advancement with technology and all the miracles, the, the, the decline of humanity to some extent and... And 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 I and I'm probably hyper focusing on it. Maybe it's not as bad as we think. That's just kind of what the media feeds us because that's more sexy. There's probably a lot more good happening in the world still that we don't see or we'll never see. Just a point, Ryan. Just think about what the problem is with the whole earth. The main problem is mankind. Everything else runs really smoothly. Till man comes along. Man is is a disease and a miracle. Mm-hmm. That's I, I you know, I work in real estate and I say the best part about real estate is the people, and the worst part about real estate is the people. <laughs> you know, because yeah. we, we all have the ability to make things great or make them not so great. Any 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 thoughts you may have or questions that you want to answer that I pop that that maybe I did not answer or ask you? I swear I'm having, I'm really struggling with the English language today. My apologies, you guys. I basically all the time. Yeah. <laughs> any, is there anything that that you want to share with my listeners that maybe I didn't ask you uh, about your perspective on life? You've had 85 years to to look at life. Well. I- I think I've covered most of that with what I said about loving each other, try to spread as much happiness around around you in any way you can. I think uh, I think I mentioned that earlier that 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 was the intention. Oh well, I can't think of anything else, Brian. Well, what about your? Let's Sue. What do you? I'm going to ask the same question of you. Well. One thing count, that counsel I think, from on high. <laughs> one thing that I think is very important is having a relationship with your creator. And because of that, you pass that on to other people, people around you, whether they believe the same as you or not, just to, um, well, yeah, like, like me said, spread as much love around as you can and, and try not to make judgments, it's very easy to do, but there's often reasons why people are unhappy. And I think the demise of the family is one of it, one of the reasons. There's so many, so many broken families around, which is such a shame. And I think, you know, the more pressure people are getting put on them now, economically, is going to put even more pressure on families. Absolutely. What if somebody doesn't, if they don't believe in a creator or God, how would you counsel them the same way you just did, but maybe not having those titles? Well, 
some people call it nature some people call it creation it's or the universe basically the same thing yeah 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 just different titles well very good kids i i appreciate you guys coming on and, and sharing your perspective your wisdom on life from your little corner of the world it's been fun to uh to connect with you again so i appreciate having you both on and we'll have to do it again i think we should do a follow-up <laughs> certainly it's, it's very interesting speaking with you brian thank you again for listening to the parish the thought show we would love your comments and feedback on our website at briankeithparish.com slash feedback. If you love or hate what you hear, please give us a rating on whatever platform you find us. Thank you again for listening to the show. I really appreciate the time you spend to hear the words and hear our guests. If you or anyone you know would like to be a guest on the show, please send an email to parishpodcast at gmail.com. That's parishpodcast at gmail.com. You're still here? Click on the next episode for more from the Parish the Thought Show.